The sound of that tractor means it's time for us to go to work. Welcome to the Give Us the Dirt podcast powered by Hoopa Grading Company. My name is Brandon and I am your host. So today's going to be a little different for us. On the Give Us the Dirt podcast, we've been used to hearing stories of men and women that have grown up playing in the dirt and that have made a career in construction, literally have helped shape, reshape the landscape of our communities. And although our guest today doesn't necessarily fit that mold, The work that he's doing is having a huge impact on the construction industry. This episode's really special to me because not only does our guest have a great story to tell, but he's also one of my best friends, and he's been a great partner to Hoopa Grading. Recently awarded Most Admired CEO by Charlotte Business Journal, our guest today is a creator, an innovator, collaborator, and storyteller. He's a seasoned serial entrepreneur currently holding the position of CEO at Wheelhouse Media and COO of Momentum Properties. For the past 10 years, he's been growing these organizations into global scale and recognition. So while other industries have used media to tell their stories and influence purchasing decisions for many years, the construction industry has been predominantly relying on reputation and relationships to do that. And although we may be a little late to the game, the use of media has become the new standard for our business. Training, development, recruiting, business development, community relations, internal communications, you name it, it now requires the use of video and media technology. John and his team at Wheelhouse are pressing into this space in a big way and helping construction companies compete for talent and business. While you may find this episode a little different from our recent podcast, we promise it will be just as entertaining to listen to. Today, we're going to let this award-winning storyteller tell us his story. John. Welcome to the Give Us the Dirt podcast. What an intro, man. I you like that. that? Yeah, well, it's better than most. You know, I, mean, I, I had it's a little bit of an easier time writing your intro than most. I, I feel like I, I know your story. Yeah, a little bit. No, that's good. It's good. I, I don't I, I don't often brag on some of that stuff. Like, we got a great team of people that have grown the business. It's not like I grew Wheelhouse Media, right? But it's always fun to hear. You know, we did turn 10 years old this year, so, it, you know, we still have a lot of pinch yourself moments. That's awesome. So, yeah. What cool. a great story. You know, this this whole episode is going to be different. It even started different because you, uh, of all the episodes we've had and all the people that have come through this studio, you were the first one to realize that we don't have to wear headphones. You don't have to wear headphones, Brandon. I've been wearing headphones wear for the headphones. last 25 episodes. You don't have to wear headphones. You're I right. I can hear you just fine. That's incredible. Why does nobody else tell me that? I have no idea. You probably should wear that, headphones. Uh, but I just didn't want to, so I convinced you that it wasn't necessary. Well, that just shows how good you are at what you do. So, do you do you remember when I told you that we wanted to start a podcast at Hoopa Grading? Yeah, I do. Be honest. What were your first thoughts? I said, "Why? What are you doing? Who's going to listen to it?" <laughs> That's exactly what I said. I was, you know, if nothing, we've always been honest with each other. Yeah, and I just couldn't, I couldn't wrap my head around it. Yeah, but you know, I've. You proved me wrong. I've seen it grow. Say that again, fun. please. Yeah, well, I won't. Uh, Elizabeth isn't here, but yes, you proved me wrong. Oh. <clears throat> no, it's been great. We didn't know what was going to happen with it either, but it's been fun. Uh, we've been just blown away by the reception we've gotten from the industry. It's been so cool to see it uh, grow and happen, and now I'm excited to have you on it. So Appreciate it, bud. You've seen these things before. You know how we introduce our guests. So how would Erica introduce you to a group of strangers? <laughs> you know, Erica... Um Erica's really humble. The only thing she brags about ever is me. God bless her. So, but she in a group of strangers, she would just say, "This is my husband. He's a hardworking man. He's a good husband and a good dad." Uh, and you know, it, it's really interesting. And you know this. 
the the spouses of entrepreneurs carry such a tremendous amount of weight. So, um, you know, for her her humility, and she's she's not great in groups of strangers either. She's often the the one not talking, and she stands behind me a lot because I'll talk to a hole in the wall. But uh, <clears throat> she's always been my biggest fan. You know, as an entrepreneur, we're we're gone a lot. And the hours are are crazy. Um, and again, you know this from Dream on Three, right? So the spouses of entre- entrepreneurs to me are like the greatest people on the planet. They have to have patience and they have to be resilient. Um, I mean, I'm leaving Wednesday. I'm gone until Sunday. Uh, and I got three kids. So she is not only the CEO of my life, she's, she runs our house and she's incredible. So however she introduces me, I don't really care. She's my hero. I love that. Yeah, That's so, cool. you know, and a lot of times we focus on uh, the business leaders and the ones that have started these companies, but behind every one of those people is someone that's really supported them and, and made that possible. And you're right, we don't give enough credit to these spouses that, uh, that are helping us. Elizabeth's leaving today. She's she's doing her thing. I was just telling her last night what a blessing it is that we're able to, to do some of these things together because, you know, that's rare. Some people, you know, they're going different directions all the time. So to be able to experience the win together yeah it's pretty cool well, i mean just sunday at church i was talking to a guy and talking well, what's up this week and i told him we were going out of town and uh and i was talking about erica uh, about you know we got like i leave wednesday we got dance wednesday night it was baseball thursday there's a baseball tournament this weekend yeah you know and, and not not to mention all the you know just lunch Right, just feeding the kids plus her life. So yeah, she she hustles. But you know what? I, I told this guy on Sunday is like she gets it and she's always gotten it. I mean, I haven't had a, a, a real job my whole life. You know, I was a bartender. I met her while I was doing that, uh, and then got a job and then bought that company, and then sold that company and started another one. Lost that company and started another one. So she's she's never known anything different in our relationship. So she's always kind of got it, right? Which is a blessing to me because had it would have been hard to meet somebody in the middle of this journey, you know what I mean? And try to explain the 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 draw and, and the, the commitment that it takes to just drive all the time. You know? Yeah, I don't know what's harder, being an entrepreneur or being married to an entrepreneur. Guaranteed being married to one. <laughs> Guaranteed. You know, it, it's, it's tough, but she's well, a trooper. Let's talk about, uh, just give it some context real quick. Uh, you, you talked a little bit about uh, your history and coming up. You hit it real quick. But uh, why don't you tell our listeners how we met, how we uh, got to know each other? Sure. So, I mean, what it's going on eight, eight, nine years now. Yeah. It's a while. I mean, Wheelhouse started in 2012, and it wasn't long after that. Um, a mutual friend of ours introduced us, and uh, you invited me over to your house. And uh, which most of my meetings don't happen on a, in, the, in the backyard or on a patio over a beer. But I was like, OK, I like the way this is starting. And uh, it was you and Elizabeth. And you told me about Dream on Three. And it, I think I told you, I said, Brandon, I, I don't know what I can do for your organization or how I can help. But I'm in. You know, I fell in love with you guys first. And, and I think that's important in business relationships as well as personal. And I fell in love with you guys and the vision you guys have for the company and the business and the organization. And I was like, I, I don't know what this is going to turn into or how to be. Uh, quite honestly, Brandon, I was like, these people can't afford me. <laughs> right. And, and we all, and we could, I was like, we can't, I can't. And at, at the time I couldn't afford 
to donate it. We were we were so young and we were we were coming up, but I was like, I don't know, we're gonna figure something out because uh, I don't know. We were both passionate about what you were doing. It made sense. Fast forward ten years, nine years, here we are. You've done every dream experience that we've done at Dream on Three. You and your team have been amazing to us, and uh, I think it's been good for everybody. But what was amazing about that is we were talking, and. Uh, you know, yeah, we've been introduced by a mutual friend, but then the more we talked, we realized that we had played soccer against each other. We went to high schools in the same town and played soccer against each other growing up, and you had kicked our butt every year. Yeah, I tried. Uh, so John was a goalie for uh, what the was Bucks. the Bucks, and I was I was a forward at the Twisters, and. John is a big man. For If you're not watching this on YouTube right now, you're just listening. So John is a big man. And you put him in front of a goal, and that goal shrinks. <laughs> like, there's not a lot of room to score on John. And uh, you wouldn't think he'd be as agile as he is. But he can, he can move. For a big guy, I get around. And so we realized we played soccer against yep. each other, and then we started down this journey. You guys have, have been amazing to us, and now you're doing some work at Hoopa. And so I want to talk about – how how did you find yourself? I know you guys do commercials. You do big stuff with big celebrities and and big uh, companies, but you found yourself in the construction space. Well, look, I mean, a, a lot of it, I think, stemmed from you and I's relationship and building a relationship here at HGC. Um, but you know, when you're starting a company and a business, especially in the content space, you know, yeah, you endeavor to do big things with big names. But it's not the reality, you know. It's like you, you take what you get, and you grow on those relationships, and that's exactly what we did at Wheelhouse. We we stair stepped our way in to relationships. Um, we treat our clients and our customers like family. Uh, I mean, I tell the guys at at the office all the time. Yeah, we're a production studio, we're a content studio, but we're in the people business. It's relationships you know, that drive everything about what we do. Uh, we can get hired on a big job once, but that's not our goal. I want to do all of your content from here until, right? And, and that's exactly how we got into this space is building good relationships. We do what we say we'll do. We have fun while we're doing it. And at the end of the day, we deliver a, 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 a piece of cl uh, content or product for our clients that builds value for their organization. And that's our, all of our goals. Yeah, we want to do cool, fun, big stuff. But at the end of the day, we just want to drive value for our clients. Uh, and so we tiptoed into this world um, doing some work with you guys here. And then all of a sudden, through some of those relationships, doing some work for Carolina Caterpillar. Um, now we're doing some work for, uh, it's kind of cool, for D.H. Griffin out of Greensboro, mm -hmm. where we grew up. Is uh, You know, talk about sports. I think every little league baseball jersey or rec soccer shirt I had, had DH Griffin on the back of it. Oh, they do you know, so those much. Those guys were sponsoring yeah. sports all through my whole my whole childhood. So when that thing came in, I was like, "Oh, this is great!" And you know what happens, Brandon? We did that. We did Rogers Builders, great project with him. You know what happens is every time we're on the phone with those guys, I say, "Hey, you know Brian McManus." Or Brandon Lindsay, and they're like, oh, yeah, we love those guys. And all of a sudden, we're in the door. One big so it's, family. It's relationships, man. It is. It's one big family. And, you know, it's what's cool about this is, and I remember, so I was with Martin Marietta prior to coming over to Hoopa, and I remember the industry as a whole, no one wanted to 
be talking about their stories. It was like yeah. the construction industry worked very hard to not be seen and not be heard. Uh, we want to be out of the the spotlight. We don't want to, anybody to know that we're out there. It was almost like the industry was scared to tell their story. And now and I it's, wonder why. I, I think it was, well, from... From Martin Marietta's standpoint, for so long, no one wanted to have a quarry in your backyard. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, if we don't make any noise and we don't talk, if maybe they won't know here. that we're here. Yeah. Uh, and I think construction companies, too, just it, I think it's just part of who they are. They didn't want to brag. They didn't yeah. want to create a brand and talk about what they're doing. But it became essential. It became essential to business. And telling your story was part of what you had to do to recruit talent, to go out to get business. So why, I want to hear you tell, why is it so important for companies to share their stories? Well, I think it's more relevant now than ever. You know, look at turnover rates, right? Not just in your industry, which are high, and not at Hoopa, but industry-wide. Um and, and not just your industry, but turnover rates are terrible right now. So you've got to differentiate yourself in some fashion. You got you have to. You got to be better. You got to treat your people better. You got to give them um, better access to to good equipment and good tools. You have to differentiate yourself in order to get talent. You know, there, there's there's no doubt. I mean, like the business development side of things, I think is easy. People understand that. You, you got to be good at what you do. You got to deliver on budget, all the things that are important. But now I think more than ever is is telling stories about who you are, how you treat people, what's the culture and the, of the organization you're building. Because people, uh, I mean, gosh, you look at the exodus in the agency space. I don't know, and this is kind of off topic from dirt, but in, in our world, the ad agency world, this huge exodus of the top talent in the world, they're leaving because that's been a grind. You know, they've been working, pushed to work 70, 80 hour weeks for years. It's just been the standard. Um, and over the past three years, it changed. The landscape of that industry changed. And the talents is like, I don't have to do that to be I, successful. That no different here. You know, people are like, I don't have to. I don't, you know, we say a lot. This is, you know, it's not your granddad's construction company. You know, I don't have to sweat you got to put in effort. You got to drive. You got to work hard. But I don't have, it's not a dirty job all the time. There's other options, and you guys are using content to train people about what those other options are. Yeah, yeah. So, give me some examples of how construction companies are using video and media uh, in their businesses. Sure, sure. Well, web presence is big, right? You know, and content is still king there, uh, especially when you look at the new age of content with social media and TikTok and, you know, Instagram and, and the way people are consuming content. You know, you used to say TikTok and people our age are like, huh, B buddy, it's, it's time. Like we're in this age. Um, Snapchat, I didn't even know what Snapchat was. Uh, you know, I, I lead the youth at our church. If I'm not on Snapchat, I don't communicate with the, the teenagers in one in my house or at, in, in my youth group. Right. Right. It's no different with us trying to uh, meet an audience. So you, you have to be telling your story and you have to be generating content. You got to build your website. You, get, you need to stand out from a crowd. You know, you got to build those differentiators because uh, those are going to be the things that matter. In your industry, like most margins, you know, we talk about profitability and revenue and all this. Margins are tight, you know. And the reality is with information, it's like buying cars, everybody knows how much they cost. So the margins get smaller and smaller and smaller. 
So you're not just going to win work off of doing it cheaper or do it, you know, so you got to do it better and you got to do it more efficiently and you got to do it safer and you got to do it with the right people. And the only way to do those things and to differentiate yourself by telling your story. And that's all you're looking for. You're just looking for that slight edge, right? The work is the same. The work is the same. You You know, we tell people all the time, we're pretty good at what we do. We're not the best. You know, I'm not Martin Scorsese. You know, we're not doing that. There's always going to be somebody that executes better than you. You know, if, if you think if you don't think that you're you're probably wrong and you're going to have a short career, um, there's always going to be somebody that's better. There's going to be younger guys that have more drive than us. But you know what? We're going to have fun. We're going to have a good time. We're going to do great work uh, and we're going to build. It's, it, like you said, it's all in the little things. It's about uh, treating your people well on set. Same as you do on a job site. It's about taking those breaks. It's about feeding them. It's about whipping the, the charcoal grill up on site and feeding your people. It's those little things that, that take you to the next level. Yeah, and, and, and trying to understand how people are consuming information these days, right? They're, they're on their phones. They're looking. Yeah. We, you know, we partner with uh, BuildWit, and they're doing yep. some incredible stuff with training and videos and technology because they understand how people are consuming information right now. Sure. And you mentioned TikTok, and I'm sure a lot of people are sitting here listening to this thinking, look, we're a construction company. I'm not messing with TikTok. But that's how you reach people. That's yeah. how you're going to engage people in this industry. That's um, I mean, well, think, we look. We've had it. these podcasts. This is we've had some incredible guests on this podcast. And Jackson posted something on TikTok about an excavator smashing a watermelon, and it got a hundred times more views yeah. than anything I've ever done sitting here at this table. Yeah. So it's just people are consuming this kind of information. How do you reach your audience? How do you how do you tell your story and get it in front of people? Yeah, well, I mean, it's what you guys are doing here. It's marketing. It's building an entire kind of 360 approach to how you tell your story. You know, the content part is one of it, of course. you got to mm-hmm. do that. But it's also um, in, investing in, in how to distribute it. Uh, it's little things on TikTok that open a door and open a window and then drive people to a website for more information. It's all those little things and having this kind of 360 marketing approach that understands the goals behind every little piece of it. We talk about this podcast, right? How do you, my, my brain always works around ROI, return on investment. How, how are you going to turn a piece of content or a thing you do into an investment? And then really, how do you define that investment? You know, is it monetary? Sometimes. Sure, that's the easy way to measure it. Um, or is it part of that whole 360 build, right? Where, yeah, it's a minute piece, right? Podcast isn't going to generate um, X amount of dollars versus X amount of costs. You know, it doesn't show up real well on a PL. Yeah. But, you know, the thing that you're doing about telling other people's stories generates buzz. And all of a sudden, somebody might hear a podcast or watch this thing somewhere and they're like, man, these guys are doing things different. And now they're going to your website and they're like, holy cow, they really are doing something different. And then all of a sudden, they're here for a Monday morning you know, uh, new hire orientation. Yeah. That's, that's the way it works. So you guys are doing it right. Well, thank you. You guys have helped us tremendously. So I, I know, um, some of the, and I don't know, can you talk about some of the big names you worked with and companies you worked with? Are you, <laughs> yeah, you we can. To- I mean, we've, we've been really blessed, right? I said, we turned tw- 10 years old this year, uh, which is 
uh, kind of still wild. So, uh, and we grew really rapid in the first few years and we got really lucky and, and we, we were doing work with bank of America and Duke energy, a lot of the big local companies around here. Uh, and then we've, we've expanded, you know, rapid growth model for us was partnering up with big ad agencies. You know, we had, we had small, we're in Charlotte. So small reach, right? Our world lives in LA, lives in New York, lives in Atlanta. Uh, you know, not that Charlotte's a small market, but it's smaller. So we needed to partner up with other ad agencies around the world that had access to the big clients, you know, the, the Valvolines and the Coca-Colas and the Pepsis of the world. And that's what we did. We became a, a provider of, uh, of services, basically. We, we become an extension of these agencies' uh, internal models and their internal, uh, you know, workings. And all of a sudden, we get access to different clients. Uh, and we get to work with some of these really big names, Barefoot Wine and, gosh, you know, PayPal and, you know, uh, some of the other businesses. So now, you know, over the course of the last five years, the agency model is changing. Uh, and like I told you about the, the, this mass exodus of talent out of that space. But it's also, you know, brands are looking for niche groups that are nimble that are uh, hungry, mm -hmm. uh, that are aggressive, uh, not afraid to make kind of make weird moves, and that can turn on a dime and shift. Um, and you know what? We found ourselves kind of perfectly in that world. So all of a sudden, some of the big brands started looking for people like us. And uh, one thing that the pandemic did, um, you know, it did a lot of bad, but I think it also did a lot of good for people that are like us that are, aren't in New York, that aren't in L.A., the world became kind of smaller. It didn't really matter where you are, and it doesn't really matter where you are. We can be anywhere. And over the course of the last two, three years, people have realized that it really doesn't matter where you are. So, um, you know. Well, you talk about weird moves in niche spaces. I mean, nobody in your space is thinking about hitting the construction industry. No. And we were just talking about that before the uh, podcast started, that you guys have found yourself in this space, and it's been really good, and you enjoy it. So uh, the reason I wanted you to talk about some of these clients and some of these big names, I mean, you've, been, you've worked with big-name actors and everything. What are the most challenging parts about working in the construction industry and doing big? <laughs> well, you know, look, there's the weather is a big one. Yeah. I mean, uh, we had a crew just last Friday, Monday and Friday, on a demolition site outside and it was about 100 degrees uh and it it just doesn't matter how much water you drink our guys aren't really accustomed to that you know so you look over and there's a, a young man and a woman standing over there with a hard hat on long sleeves jeans boots and they're looking at us like we don't we have no business there. whole new respect we for that a whole new respect for being outside and the grind the other thing is the job sites you know a lot of times we're accustomed to being in a studio that we control everything, mm -hmm. you know, we control the lighting, the sound, everything. Uh, and you get out there and all of a sudden you realize we have zero control over what's happening on a job site and the priorities are different. When we, uh, when we walk on most sets, the priority, the main focus is what we're there to do. Um, a lot of times we find ourselves on a construction site where we're, we're kind of piggybacking real work yeah. and we're trying to get ourselves, we're not the priority. You know, so so trying to get into those worlds and still get the right content, good content that moves the needle, yeah, uh, and then not get crushed by a big piece of yeah, the safety piece or of it, dude. not get in the way. Yeah. You know, we 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 don't like to get in the way, but that's a big challenge, man. That's funny you say that because I imagine most places you go and they say, hey, we got a production crew on 
on site today, and they're like, oh, man, everything stopped. You go out to the job site, you're like, what? Well, you can't. You guys, you guys' world moves at a pretty fast pace. Yeah. You know, and that was one of the things that caught me off guard or, or really surprised me about the industry is the pace at which everybody works. And, you know, there's so many, uh, there's so much alignment between our industry and the construction industry. And I learned this mostly just last week, shooting some interviews here um, and talking to people about the, the management, the plan, the controls. You know, you're on a job site, there might be 200 people working a job site. You know, we might be on a commercial set where there's 200 people working a commercial set and and having the team leadership and the structure and the uh, the hierarchy of control, right, on a set for safety, for efficiency, for all those things. I, I was blown away by that, you know. I grew up, my grandfather owned a construction company in Greensboro, so I grew up, you know, as a kid every summer, that's what we did. Uh, but back then, you know, we are running a wheelbarrow with bricks, you know, or, uh, or, or swinging a hammer, you know, it was hard back breaking kind of work. Um, and you get on one of these sites, it's just a totally different atmosphere. That's funny. You yeah. picked that up, but it, it's hard to see that everything that goes into coordinating those efforts out on a job site, especially a large job oh, site yeah. where you got multiple crews and so many people out there the, the coordination, the plan, the, we call it uh, beautiful PPS plan path schedule. Yeah, man, it's beautiful. And, yeah, but I guess that does relate. So tell us some of the cool projects that you've done in the construction space. I think the the one that I think is probably one of the coolest, we did a, a project for Rogers Builders, um, and I'll, I'll mess up some of the details so I won't get too in the weeds, but Rogers <clears throat> was build, putting together a building, and a lot of it was prefabricated um, environments that they were building on set. So what Rogers did was they partnered with all the subs that went into the pre-construction of that and built content for each part of the process. And then we built it into one kind of final piece of the puzzle or final uh, large project about how that building came together. And you're talking about plumbing and electrical. And I mean, you know, these things, all the things that go into it. Um, it's mind blowing, right? When you look at a building that takes a year or 18 months to build from ground uh, up to the top, and it, it just feels like it's short, small, incremental. It takes forever. But when you watch it and you're in it uh, at that microcosmic kind of level and you see what happens on a daily basis, it's major change every day. And it, it, was, it was really cool That's for cool. me and for our group to do that uh, and see it kind of go from start to finish. Um, I think that's probably the coolest one we've been on. That's awesome. You know, the the other stuff is like in your world where it's maybe not building, you know, the brick and mortar, but it's all the prep. The cool thing about this side of it is, uh, you know, we equate it all the time to nothing happens without you guys. And then, you know, we all grew up playing in the dirt, right? You know, I, I remember me and my brothers would play G.I. Joe and a little dirt. We'd build these little dirt forts out in the backyard, and then we'd have little bulldozers and whatever, and we'd run over our G.I. Joe guys. You guys do that for a living, mm -hmm. you know? And uh, you got the Sims here. All my guys, every time we're in here, they just want to ride the Sims. They want to yeah. get on the Sim and feel what it feels like to – to operate those things. So I don't know. I think it's a cool industry to be in. It is cool. I mean, what have you learned? You talked about a little bit of it, just seeing the, what all goes into planning these projects and coordinating uh, these job sites. Anything else you've learned from folks in this industry? You've met a lot of people. I have met a lot of people. Um, 
You know what? The biggest takeaway, I think, and this is represented uh, on site with uh, with D.H. Griffin just two weeks ago, was the quality of human being that that works in this industry. Um, It's almost second to none. Uh, and, and this is, we were on a job site. It was about a hundred degrees outside and I wasn't, I wasn't actually there as one of my other producers there. And, um, the guy that owns that business at the end of the day, you know, came up to our producer and, and handed him $200 in cash, <laughs> you know, and this doesn't happen in our industry. Right. And he was like, you know what, you go, go get, go get dinner on me, you know, for the crew. And he was there side by side with our team. This guy owns that business, um, multi-million dollar business. Yeah. Uh, and he was on site with our guys side by side the whole time, supporting, bringing them waters, uh, servant leadership. I mean, it's just unbelievable. And I, I've seen that not just at that business. I've seen it here at HCC. We saw it at Rogers. You know, uh, I think that's a big differentiator about where this is. It's good, good people. You know, that's that's probably a common thread through this industry because those people that are making the decisions to bring you in and do these projects that are running the businesses, they've been there. Yeah. They've been on the cruise. They know the what it takes and how hard these folks are working. And so that's that's really cool that he came up and recognized, hey, I want to take care of you folks. I want to take care awesome. of your production team. It was awesome. And the takeaway that day specifically was – Man, if he's treating, you know, a bunch of strangers with cameras that way, how does he treat his team? Yeah. You know, and you got to think that trickles down, you know, and, and, and that kind of support happens. So, yeah. Have you um, have you found any really good actors and actresses <laughs> in the construction industry? That's got to be a challenge, right? Yeah, I mean, you're uh, used to working with people that can do this stuff. Yeah. And then I know some of the people we put in front of you. It's a challenge, buddy. <laughs> you know, it's a challenge. But the, the interesting thing about that is there's no better way um, to tell a story about culture, innovation, or whatever than to hear it straight from the horse's mouth, right? Yeah. Uh, and and uh, you guys are good about putting your people uh, front and center in content. Oh, that wasn't easy. You, the first time I told Brian that you were coming and he had to get on camera. Yeah, he was not thrilled. Oh, he was terrified. But now yeah. he, he does it every week. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, <laughs> you, you laugh about talent. It, it, it's tough. Yeah. Sometimes you got to pull and pull and pull and pull. But what happens, uh, Brandon, is exactly what we want to happen is authenticity rings mm-hmm. true. Um, and you know what you start to realize? Uh, especially here, but not just here, in this industry, people are passionate about what they do. They're really passionate about the team atmosphere that's grown in this industry, and it comes through. They may be nervous. They may they, they usually hate us when they see us. But you know what happens at the end of an interview or being on site is it's high fives and hugs and handshakes, yeah. and um, it's appreciation for for pulling that information out of them. Because you know what what happens at the end of it is I said earlier you get authenticity, and that stuff translates directly to the audience. And all of a sudden, it's somebody that didn't think they knew or was nervous or didn't think they knew what they were talking about. I, I think, and they don't say this much, but you can kind of see it, is they realize, like, I, I know more than I thought I knew mm-hmm. about this. And it translates, man. It's, it's kind of a fun, it's a fun thing to do. Well, you're really, you and your team are really good at being able to, to get them comfortable and talk them through it and latch on to the thing where you say, all right, that's what they're passionate about. Yeah. Let me, let me capture that. Yeah. Um, so 
Yeah, we've talked about some of the technology and the ways that construction's using video and, and media to, uh, to run their businesses. What's next? You guys are on the cutting edge of this stuff. What's, what's next in that space? How do we maintain that slight edge? That's a, it's a really good question. I think, um, I, look, you guys are a great example of this. Um, just from a technology perspective, what you're doing with the Sims here and training and education, I think that's a big part of it. Yeah, there's the marketing and the storytelling aspect, but taking advantage of the tools that are available and putting them into place in all the places that it's needed. It's education, it's safety awareness. We did um, trench rescue video not long ago. It's um, it's building training seminars and, and helping to develop good good uh, talent here. And then you got the marketing and the advertising and the storytelling side of that. And then you look at what's technology, how technology is growing. You got um, virtual reality. You know, you guys use that a little bit in, in the Sims here where you build an environment um, that's safe to learn. I've also seen it, you know, innovation there out here in the, in the, what do you call those? The dirt pits, the sand pits Oh yeah, where, where you guys are using technology to build small scale. The remote control yeah. equipment. Super cool. So, I mean, I think you guys are doing a really good job of that from a content perspective. Um, you know, the way this industry's, you said it early, a little behind in building content and telling their stories. I think, you know, what we're doing now is still relatively cutting edge in this industry. Uh, but you, you start to get into drone technology and being able to, to tell big global scale stories for where you don't have to rent a helicopter anymore. Yeah. You know, these are big sites. Oh yeah. They're big sites. So I, I think there's a lot to do there. I think time lapse, um, is a big, uh, place for this industry to live in, you know, like I said earlier, it may take 18 months to build a building, but if you can disseminate that down into 30 seconds, uh, one, I think it's really cool. Um, I think audiences react well to that kind of stuff. Uh, and, and it's not cost prohibitive, yeah. you know? So, yeah, that's like, that's cool. So can you do this stuff? And, and for those that are listening that aren't utilizing, um, anyone for video and, and this uh, media, can you do this stuff without breaking the bank? Absolutely. Look, that's a great question to start, but I say this how many times uh, in a week, there's a product in every budget, right? Uh, even almost if that budget's nothing, you know, because the way technology's advanced with our cell phones, um, thinking about content, uh, you, you, there's so much that you can do without a company like ours or, or anybody that you can do internally to help tell your story. Uh, I think social media is a great... Um, use case for that because the content doesn't need to be overly produced, right? And then there's there's so many steps that you can take along the process. At some point, maybe that's not enough and you got to invest a little bit, but there's a product in every budget, right? Whether it's, it's like building a house. You can build an 800 square foot house. You can build an 8,000 square foot house. You live in both of them, Brett. You know, right. Both of them probably have a bed that you can lay your head down on. Uh, yeah. Some of them have more bells and whistles than the other. Some may be more efficient and effective than the other, but at the end of the day, they're both homes. Um, so if if you think that way, don't be intimidated by it. Right. Uh, it really comes out in communication, really understanding what your spend is, what you might need to spend, what you might have access to. And then what makes good sense. We talked about ROI earlier. 
you know, a lot of people don't ha have a hard time understanding how to build ROI off a piece of content like we produce. And, you know, somebody that's good and understands this industry can explain that pretty easily. You yeah, know. I remember you bringing up ROI. Now you got Brian thinking about how <laughs> this thing is not generating any return. We, so we're we going to cut that part. We cut might need part. a sponsor now. Okay. Well, that's fine. Well, now I know why I'm here. All right. So this is the part where we say, give us the dirt. Um, you are, you know, we, serial entrepreneur. We talked about that in the intro. We talked about you just got CEO of the year. I know you never share that, but I get to share it because I can. I appreciate it. Um, I think you've got a lot that you can offer, you know, a lot people that are running these businesses right now. They're entrepreneurs. They've come up uh, the, uh, through um, just sweat and, and, and hard work and grind. And so you, as an entrepreneur, a successful entrepreneur, talk to talk to our audience about what that takes. You've already alluded to the juggling of, of sure. work-life balance and everything else. It's like, well, I mean, the first step is throw that out the window, work-life balance. I don't really... I don't really know what that means. You know, uh, wheelhouse has been such a big part of my life. It's not work and life. It, it's all the same. And not just my life, my, my kids' lives. I mean, you know, they're wearing the wheelhouse hat. They understand what it takes to drive uh, and what it takes to build something. And it, it just becomes part of our whole life infrastructure. That's a great point. You Somebody know? said the other day that it's no more, it's not about work-life balance. It's work-life integration. It is. It's integration. And is that bad? I don't know. I've, I've told this a number of times. I've made the wrong decision on where I should be at times in my life. I've missed birthdays. I've missed, you know, holidays. I've done it. I've made those decisions to grow the business. Uh, was it right or wrong? I don't know. It was just what it, the, it was the decision that was made at the time and you make the best out of them. Right. So look, what I say is you work hard, you find something you're passionate about, and you love. Um, this was a job that, you know, we just invented, you know, uh, for myself. I didn't, I didn't know what I was going to do. Um, I didn't know the trajectory of what wheelhouse would be. Uh, we, surrounded ourselves and I say we our leadership team my partners we surrounded ourselves with people that are better at this than we are every step of the way we worked our tail ends off uh, and still do and you find something that you're passionate about you're hungry about and you love to do and it, it, it's like nothing else really matters it all starts to fall into place uh, we've never really chased the dollar you know um, early on right you got to take every job you get Right, and you're kind of chasing the dollar a little bit because you got bills to pay, mouths to feed. Um, but you know, we treat every job, regardless of the budget, as it, with the same kind of uh, amount of effort and energy. You know, if we take the job, we accept that role and responsibility to tell your story. We're going to go all in, and I think that's that that's what it takes to be an entrepreneur as well. You know, you just go with both feet, you dive head first, and you just go. A lot of people ask us all the time, it's like, how do you do it? How do you do that and run that business?" And families like, "I don't know. You just do it." You know, I, and that's one of the best qualities that I just love about you. It's that the answer is always yes, and then you say, "What's the question?" Yeah. yeah, it's what I, what I like to say. It's kind of yes until, but yeah, I'm in. Uh, yeah. What right, what's it? the question? Okay. All right, well, okay, that may not work, but I, we'll find a way to make it work. Well, there's nothing you can't do or won't do or yeah, find a way to make it work. We'll find a way to make it work. And yeah. sometimes the solutions aren't easy, 
right? Uh, but it goes back to surrounding yourselves with good people. Um, and then, you know, you fast forward to where we are now, and the world turns into a lot more servant leadership, right? Uh, and that's a word, it's kind of hard. Sounds kind of cliche, but it's not. And it happens naturally as an organization grows. Um, you know, I was a I was a camera operator. I was a camera guy. I used to call myself a DP. I was never really a DP. I was a camera guy. Um, but I hustled and I pretended well. And there was a whole lot of fake it till you make it. And I learned a lot. And what I learned was, man, that's not where my strengths are. Um, I was pretty good at it. I was adequate. And until I met people that were better, I was like, oh, man, this is the way this is supposed to look. This is the way this is supposed to happen. And that happened, you know, in kind of a lot of different positions along the way through our growth model. And, you know, all of a sudden what happens is you're not as good as that and you're going to find your role. And same as me, you know, as a CEO, I got to find my role where I'm going to be the most valuable to our organization as a whole and to the growth of it, which, which becomes a sustainable uh, revenue model for all our people, you know, and what happens is as it grows, as you start to be a servant of your folks, whether you think that way or not, because that's the job and that's what it, what naturally happens. I'm sure you see it both here and at dream on three, you yeah. start just being a, a support system. What do you need today? How, how, how can I make your job easier? You know, and we're still a small business. So you know, we, wear, we wear a lot of hats. I, I may be directing a piece one day or producing a piece, but what doesn't happen too often anymore is where I'm behind the camera. Um, one, because my guys don't have any faith in me to do that well anymore. As technologies advance, it's, it's kind of like anything. It's like playing golf. If you don't swing the club enough, you don't, you're not good at it anymore. And it's the same way with cameras. So. Uh, it was a long-winded answer. Brother. It was a great answer, though, because one you recognize that about yourself. You recognize that you can't be all things. And and even though, and I think that would apply to a lot of people that are listening right now. They've grown the business. They were they've yeah. started it. They've done every job, every piece of it. They've done it themselves. And so to relinquish that to somebody else sure. that is better than you at that, yeah. And to recognize that, and then find yourself. Look at all right. How do I support this team? Which is a weird spot to get to. It's you know because you feel like you're not in it, you're not doing, yeah. but yet the role is your job as CEO of the company is to support, to coach, to train, to develop, to secure the resources they need to be successful. Well, it, it's not easy. You know, probably the hardest thing for me to do. Be perfectly honest with you. You know, I. I if you ask me, are you micromanager? I'd say no. And then you go ask my wife or some of the guys that work with us. They'd say, yeah, oh, yeah, he yeah. is. But you know what? You brought up a good point about coach and help. And one of the other things I've done uh, in the past two years is also look for help. You know, uh, and I think this is relevant for a lot of these people we're talking to. You know, yeah, I'm the CEO of Wheelhouse. What, what, what does that mean? I've never been a CEO before. I'm CEO because we founded this thing and it's where I landed, right? right? And all of a sudden, you find yourself in this position. It's like, all right, I, I, I guess I'm the CEO, right? But what does that mean? And, and reaching out for people that have either been that, done that, uh, or have some experience in it. Uh, and that's what I've done over the past couple of years is uh, engaged a coach to help me, right? It's like you, with me, it was big on I don't know if I'm doing this right. I don't have a benchmark. I don't have anything to gauge uh, whether I'm good or bad at this, right? You can look at the bottom line, whatever, but that, that'll, 
that can ruin you if you just look at the bottom line. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, so that's been a big help for me, finding people um, in, in my network that uh, I think are really successful at leading and, and getting advice and pulling advice and then, you know, talking to folks. I've got a great executive coach that helps me uh, just understand and digest. It also helps me not to take the garbage home with me. You know, I can leave it at the office sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, John, thank you so much for coming in. So if someone is listening and they say, hey, you know what? I need to get into this. This is not something we've been we've been doing a whole lot of at our company. We need some help with this. Can they, have you got room? Yeah, yeah. We're always ready. There Again, it is. I, we we yes. very rarely say no. There's that yes. Yeah, yeah. We, we like... We like telling people stories more yeah. than just about anything I do in the world um, is because you get to learn about a new industry, about a new person, about a new thing, you know, and, and it's like, okay, yeah, you can tell a story. We don't really tell a story. You, you guys are telling your story. We're just helping you digest it, right? I think that's important. Like, you're, you're not creating this thing. Like, when I got to Hoopa and started thinking, all right, we got to build a brand. Yeah. That is something that construction companies don't think about a lot. They are now. Yeah. But building a brand is is critical to growing a business. But it wasn't – we didn't create a story. The story was there. Yeah, the story exists. We just had to tell it. You just got to find a way to digest it and tell it and put it in a way that's going to be um, consumed right. the way you want it to be consumed. So how does right. someone get in touch with you? I mean, the best way is just go to the website. It's wheelhousemedia.tv, like television. Um, there's – all kinds of contact information, uh, you know, all, a lot of the cool visuals, the stuff we've done and the cool places we get to go. I mean, but that's the best way, yeah. you know, it's most direct. Uh, and well, you we'll, might see something you like. We'll put a link on the podcast too, and make well, sure people know how to that. get with you. And John, it's, this has been fun for me because you spend every day trying to tell everyone else's story and to be able to help tell your story a little bit and the success that you've had with your amazing team over at Wheelhouse. Uh, you guys are doing an incredible job. We appreciate all that you've done for us here at HGC, and I, I wish you all the success in the world, buddy. It's my favorite partnership in anything we do almost. Uh, let all the other people ignore that I said that. but. Working with you has been a dream, man. With Dream on Three and now HGC, it just it's it's always fun to work with somebody you really like, uh, and I don't get to do that all the time, right? And I don't know, it's just been good. We can probably cut that last bit. No, out. let's not cut. We're but, not going to cut that. Matter of fact, that's going to become the, our our teaser. That's right be there. Your teaser. Yeah. yeah. And do you? Right. It, it might, we need to finish by saying that you were wrong again one more time mm, about the Give Us a Dirt that. podcast. Yeah, I was wrong. It's going to be a huge success. John, thank you for being on the podcast. All right. Thank you for listening to this episode of Give Us the Dirt. Our podcast is powered by Hoopa Grading Company in Charlotte, North Carolina, and produced by Well Run Media and Marketing. Visit our website at giveusthedirtpodcast.com and subscribe to this podcast on Apple and Google so you never miss an episode. 